There are a lot of skeptics out there. A lot of people who simply don't believe in the paranormal. I don't know if it's because they've never had an experience or if they're just afraid to believe. But it's pretty much impossible to convince them otherwise. They always want proof. And I've found the best way to give proof to a skeptic is to take them to a place that's haunted and let the spirits convince them. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, I want to thank you for listening. And if you really like my stories and would like to show your support, you can buy me a coffee. Just go to the website, buymeacoffee.com slash myparanormal, and you can literally buy me a coffee. And hopefully, the caffeine will help me with making more episodes real soon. Thanks again for your support. I've always said, when it comes to the paranormal, everyone is a skeptic, until they're not. It's hard to believe in things like spirits and ghosts if you've never experienced it. It's not something that can be proven one way or another. At least not yet. So I've found the best way to change a skeptic's mind is to let them experience it for themselves. So from time to time, I'll take a friend or two into a haunted location and let the spirits do the work. The Payne House Museum in Coventry, Rhode Island is one of the best spots for changing the minds of skeptics. In the dozens of times I've been there, never once have I not experienced something interesting so when I have an opportunity to bring a friend, I will. Not just to change their skeptic thinking, but to educate them. Paranormal activity isn't about being scared. It's about realizing there is something going on around us that we just don't understand. And the first step in my mind to discovering what this phenomena is, is to experience it and be aware of it. One time I brought my friend Danny to the pain house. We were out with some mutual friends one night, and somehow the conversation led to me talking about some paranormal experiences, which isn't uncommon. And Danny thought it was all hogwash. He was a complete skeptic, saying that none of it's real, blaming it all on natural occurrences or just my imagination. And it just so happened that night, my friends from Rise Up Paranormal were hosting an investigation at Payne House, and we were right down the road. So I asked him if he wanted to stop in with me and visit a real haunted location. I told him there were two rules, though. One, you have to be respectful of everyone you meet, including the spirits. And two, if you see something scary, don't run and don't panic. There's nothing in the pain house that will hurt you. He laughingly agreed, but he had no idea what he was in for. We got to the pain house and the team was on the first floor, reviewing some evidence that they had already captured that night. The four investigators were all in a room taking turns listening to audio of what sounded like a young girl's voice, which is a common EVP that we capture at pain house. I asked if we could let Danny listen and he put on the headphones. I could see on his face that he was a little spooked. 
we played it back for him a couple of times. No one could make out what the little girl was saying, but even Danny admitted it did sound like a little girl's voice, but I don't think he was convinced. Suddenly, one of the investigators shushed us all. Shh, listen. As we all quickly quieted down, we could clearly hear what sounded like footsteps walking on the floor above us. It sounded like someone in boots walking from one side of the room to the other. Danny was looking around at all of us as we were listening, and he said, Is someone up there? And we all kind of laughed. Nope, everyone is right here. So Danny and I, and a couple of other investigators, decided to head upstairs to see for ourselves. And as we already knew, no one was up there. So we decided to sit at a small table in the kitchen and do an EVP session. EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena. It's where investigators ask questions, hoping the spirit will answer by imprinting something onto the digital audio recorder. We all sat on different sides of the small wooden round table with Danny on my left. An audio recorder was placed in the middle of the table and the investigators took turns asking questions, hoping to find answers later when they reviewed the audio. After a few minutes, I asked a couple of questions. And one of the things I asked was for the spirit to knock three times. Knocking sounds have long been a method of paranormal investigation, going back many years. If you're here with us, can you let us know by knocking three times? And suddenly, we all heard it. I looked at Danny, and he had a suspicious look on his face. He looked at me and said, Are you doing that? I couldn't help but laugh. No, it's not me. So I asked the spirit to knock three times again, and it did. This time I could feel it on the table. The knocking was happening to the table. Danny was looking around and looking under the table to see if any of us were tapping the table with our hands or our feet, but we weren't. So to prove it to him, I asked everyone to put their hands flat on the table so that Danny could see them. And I had him back his chair away from the table just a bit so that he could see our feet under the table at the same time as our hands on top. And I asked the spirit to knock again. It took a few requests, but eventually it happened again. And Danny could clearly see that none of us were doing the knocking. He pulled his chair back up to the table and we tried to get some more knocks, but they weren't cooperating anymore. So we started asking some more questions, hoping for some more answers on the audio recorder, when suddenly I noticed Danny's eyes look towards the doorway. He asked, is there someone in the hallway? Why, what did you see, I asked him. He said he thought he'd saw the shadow of somebody walking by. I assured him that we were the only ones up there but he got up from the table to have a look for himself. He slowly approached the doorway and looked left into the empty classroom and to the right into the empty bedroom. There was no one there. I could tell he had had enough convincing for one night. So as he sat back down at the table, I asked him, are you still a skeptic? And he said, I don't know. I think I'm starting to become a believer. We decided to ask a few more questions, 
And then as we were getting ready to wrap up the EVP session, I asked one more time, could you just knock once more to let us know that it's really you? And this time, the knocks came from the hallway where Danny saw the shadow. It's not just skeptics that are amazed by the pain house. It's us believers, too. Some of the most jaw-dropping moments I've ever experienced have taken place here. We've captured so much intriguing evidence that it was actually once featured on a paranormal TV show. One piece of evidence was a video we captured one night. And if it hadn't been for the painstaking review process by members of Rise Up Paranormal, this footage would have easily never been seen. The occurrence happened when no one was around. During most investigations, we set up infrared video cameras that are connected to a multi-channel DVR system. We record video on all the cameras all night throughout the investigation, even if it's rooms or areas that we're not in. Obviously because you never know what you might capture, but also to document where each member is at specific times so that we can determine whether evidence is credible or not. On one particular night, we had an IR camera pointed into one of the second floor bedrooms. The small bedroom had an old twin-size bed in it, a small dresser, some old pictures and clothes hanging on the walls, and in the corner, directly in front of our camera, was an old rocking chair. Now the Payne House, being a museum now, often gives tours, and they don't want guests to sit on most of the furniture because of how old it is. So you'll often see signs that say, please do not sit on the beds or the chairs. And this room was no different, including the rocking chair. In fact, the rocking chair not only had a do not sit sign on it, it also had a length of string going from one arm to the other to prevent anyone from sitting in it. As the hours of video filmed by this camera were being reviewed, someone noticed something strange. No investigators or guests had been in the bedroom for well over 45 minutes. Everyone was off in other locations of the house. But for some reason, the rocking chair started rocking. Not hard, just slowly, back and forth, but quite deliberate. It didn't slow down. It kept up a slow pace, as if someone was sitting in the chair, slowly rocking. It goes on for about a minute or so, and then stops. Another paranormal event some have experienced while visiting the Payne House is that of seeing apparitions. There are several claims of people seeing the ghostly image of a little girl in the home. One we like to call Sarah, based on historic information of a little girl named Sarah having once lived there. I've never seen the apparition, but Ken DaCosta, the founder of Rise Up Paranormal, had an experience that, to me, is some of the most intriguing evidence I've ever seen. And not only did he see an apparition, he caught it on video, sort of. Since it's his experience, I invited him to tell the story of what happened when he saw Sarah at the Payne House. We were investigating the Payne House in Coventry, Rhode Island. A prior trip had suggested a child spirit was present, so it was a point of focus for us. There was a large group 
which is kind of out of the ordinary for us in that night. And as I was going into the kitchen area, as a group was leaving, I decided to have a seat and just relax a bit while they went on their way to other areas of the house. Perhaps five minutes later, I watched in total astonishment as the apparition of a little girl passed through a hallway and into another room. I was absolutely godsmacked and just stared down the hall in amazement. I called to some investigators to return to the room and conveyed what I saw. They looked down that hallway and into the room, but they found no one. At that point, I removed myself from the house to go for a walk, to reconcile what I just saw, to decompress, to make sense of it, to somehow handle my amazement at what I just witnessed. It was stunning, but it was also heart-rendering to think a child had not passed to a better place. Or was what I saw just a psychic imprint on the environment? What I didn't know was a couple of investigators earlier in the evening had seen a pair of legs pass by a table in the same room. They said it had no torso. At that point, they set up a camera pointing in the direction of the hallway. When we played the video back, it revealed a pulsating ball of energy passing across the hall in the same manner in which the apparition did. To this day, it remains one of the most profound experiences I've had as a paranormal investigator over the last 43 years. I've watched the footage of that ball of energy dozens of times. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. I don't want to call it an orb. We see orbs all the time on video cameras and, and most of the time they can be explained away by dust or bugs or other natural phenomena. But this, this wasn't a fuzzy white see-through orb. This was a solid pulsing ball of light that went from one side of the camera to the other in the same direction at the same time as the apparition Ken saw. If ghosts are energy, then this video camera captured footage of a real-life apparition. If you'd like to see the video of this white energy, or of the rocking chair rocking, you can check out the blog for this episode at myparanormalstory.net. I want to thank Ken for his testimonial about seeing the apparition, a story about Pain House that just wouldn't have been complete without. And I also want to thank him for allowing me to feature the evidence we've captured, not only while investigating Pain House, but from all the locations I've discussed on this podcast and on future ones. Please check out their website sometime at riseupparanormal.com. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash myparanormal or just click on the donate button on my website at myparanormalstory.com. I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Unfortunately, podcasts cost money and your support helps me keep this podcast running. So thank you for your support. Please don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when I've added new episodes 
And feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story.